Have you ever felt like you were too flawed to be someone of great faith? Like there were too many skeletons in your closet? Or, as Andre Crouch writes, reflections of the past seem to face you every day. Maybe you're in constant pain or constant financial turmoil, not of your own doing. Maybe you've been seriously afflicted in some way, even during this current crisis we find ourselves in. Maybe you have been overtaken in significant adversity. Your current state of affairs is causing you to doubt whether or not the Lord can entrust some assignment to you. If you've ever wondered if you're too faulted or too afflicted, maybe even disqualified to serve God in any way because of your lack of perfection, I've come to encourage you from the word of the Lord today, from Hebrews chapter 11. On our journey of these legacies of genuine faith, we've encountered some incredible men and women of God. The list seems a bit daunting, doesn't it? If you think back over the people that we've discussed, we talked about Abel's excellent sacrifice of worship and Enoch's walk with God and Noah building an ark, Abraham headed toward the land of promise, Sarah conceiving in her old age, Abraham offering up Isaac, Isaac's blessing of faith on his sons, families, Jacob's encounter with God, and then his humility with Esau. Wow. Joseph's integrity before false accusations and being forsaken and forgotten. Moses' spared life, being identified, set apart, and ultimately saving others with his faith-fueled obedience. Israel at the Red Sea, Joshua at the walls of Jericho, Rahab opening her eyes to the true God in a pagan land. What faith? You say, that's not me. Guess what? You're right. <laughs> it's not you. You're not Abel. You're not Noah. Abel is Abel. Noah is Noah. You're not Moses or Joshua or David or Solomon. You are you. And the God of this Bible knows everything about you. He knows every thought you've ever had, every deed you've ever done, every word you have ever said, and He still loves you with an everlasting love. And He's made a way for you to live for His glory and for His purpose through His dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was sent into this world to be born of a virgin that He might be sinless that he might be born under the law to keep the very law that you and I break day after day after day. The perfect, sinless Son of God has completely met all the requirements of God's law and is ready to give his righteousness to us that we would have a perfect standing before God. Jesus went to Calvary's cross and there he would hang and bleed and die and in that death, the sins of everyone in the whole world who would believe in him were transferred to him. And he who knew no sin, God made to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God, the worst about me laid upon him, the best about him now to be laid upon me as he shed his blood upon that cross. This is the reality to all who believe. You can be you, but you need to be made new. Fulfilling the very purpose and chief end of your life, bringing glory and honor to this incredible God and Savior, the only true and living God. Will you trust Him today? You may feel like these larger-than-life heroes are out of reach, but what we're about to see through the preacher, the writer of Hebrews, the people that he introduces us to today, will open your eyes a bit to the type of people that God uses. Let's Look at the list from our text. 
If I were going to put a header over this section, I would say it's the faith of the flawed. The faith of the flawed. Would you look with me, please, at Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 32. Hebrews chapter 11, and let's look at verse 32. The Bible says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. Wow. Quite a list. Now, you may think of the exploits of these people from Scripture, but can I just point you to some of their characteristics that cause me to marvel a bit? Like Moses, Gideon strove to evade God's call to courageous leadership. You see that unfold in Judges chapter number 6, verses 11 through 40, compared to Moses in Exodus 3 and 4. He demanded signs from God and caused Israel to sin when he made an ephod. Barak, or Barak, depending on how you want to pronounce it, timidly refused to take up arms without the support of the judge, the prophet Deborah, in Judges 4. Samson, oh my, Samson was an embarrassment to his holy status as a Nazarite, using his extraordinary strength more often than not to satisfy his own sensual lust and rage than to use his God-given strength and talent in submission to God. He was promiscuous, and he broke his covenant with God on multiple occasions. Jephthah rashly vowed away his daughter's life in exchange for victory in battle, and then even more wickedly kept his vow contrary to God's law. David, a man after God's own heart. David waged war in the name of the Lord, but later shamed the Lord's name through adultery and murder, bringing rape and bloodshed into his own family and civil war into Israel. Samuel apparently replicated the negligence of the priest who had raised him, parentally speaking. His sons turn out as bad as Eli's. Now, in spite of all this, the writer, the preacher of Hebrews does not remember them for their flaws. He commends them for their acts of faith. Though they sinned, their lives were ultimately marked by their faith in God, which the author highlights in the next two verses. Look with me at the text, please. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 33 and 34. What do they do? Who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. They failed. <laughs> These were flawed people that failed miserably on occasions, yet they accomplish each of these feats by faith. So they still serve as examples of remarkable trust in a remarkable God. Flawed? Yes. Too flawed for God to use? No. Our preacher to the Hebrews calls us to listen to God as he testifies on behalf of patriarchs, take a breath, politicians, prophets, and prostitutes who had fluctuating faith and questionable morality, but who continued to trust God to be faithful to his promises. If they could act in faith and see God work, so could the sermons, letters, first hearers, 
some of whom had, the Bible says, drooping hands and weak knees in Hebrews 12. And so can we in the midst of our flaws. When we stumble, bumble, and fumble, as I say, God can still use us. Header number two, faith of the afflicted. Let's look at the remaining text. Faith of the afflicted. Look with me at Hebrews 11:35 through 38. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. The author is not calling us to die like they die, but he is calling us to trust in the Lord like they trusted in the Lord, even if that means suffering a death like theirs. Justin Martyr, an early church father, echoed the same kind of faith. When beholding the very place that he and his congregation would be martyred, Justin said, Remember, brothers and sisters, they can kill us, but they can't hurt us. This is the kind of devotion that marked these Old Testament saints. This is the kind of devotion that we should display in our lives. We are of the faith, this faith, this heritage. This is our family line. This is our backstory. Let me refer to you to the Voice of the Martyrs website, persecution.com. Go there, spend some time there, read a story a week. It would do all of us well to read one of the martyrs' stories per week, to stiffen our spines and strengthen our resolve and soften our hearts for our brothers and sisters around the globe who have counted it all joy as they endure their suffering for the sake of Christ. Flawed, afflicted, but still able to be used by God. Let's finish out these last two verses of our text this morning. Hebrews eleven thirty nine and 40. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not was, receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. What does that mean? Well, some tasted the partial and provisional fulfillments of God's promise. But on the whole, these people did not receive what was promised for the something better that God provided for us. He provided that in the new and better covenant, inaugurated on better promises by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, those who pre-hoped in the Messiah and we who hear him speaking salvation in these last days, together are perfected, together are cleansed, and together are qualified to draw near to God. Afflicted? Yes. Too afflicted for God to use? No. Dennis Johnson summarizes it this way. Both their testimony to God's faithfulness and his testimony to their faith challenge our self-centered and frivolous conceptions of faith, calling us instead to lifelong endurance with our eyes fixed steadfastly on Jesus and our hearts resolved to follow him to the end by the grace that he supplies. Oh, friend, are you too flawed? too afflicted for God? No, no. Matthew, Mark, and Luke 
All record Jesus' claim, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, Jesus would say, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29. The Bible says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. The rest of that passage there in 1 Corinthians 1 is for those who have been to Jesus for the cleansing flow, those of us who've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Here's what he says, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Dottie Rambo wrote a song years ago, I boast not of works, nor tell of good deeds, for naught have I done to merit his grace. All glory and praise shall rest upon him, so willing to die in my place. The second verse says, My trophies and crowns, my robe stained with sin, t'was all that I had to lay at his feet, unworthy to eat from the table of life, till love made provision for me. Too flawed? Too afflicted? Mm -mm. The chorus says, I will glory in the cross. Lest his suffering all be in vain, I will weep no more for the cross that he bore. I will glory in the cross. On the cross, Jesus reconciled sinful man to a holy God. There's no other way for us to have a relationship with an infinitely holy God except through the blood of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. By his substitutionary death upon that cross, it's like he took sinful man in one hand and holy God in the other hand and brought us together through his death. Jesus satisfied the righteous anger of God and appeased his wrath towards all who would believe in him. Three days later, he gloriously raised himself from the dead. He came walking out of that borrowed tomb, a resurrected king, a living and victorious savior. He ascended back to heaven. He's now seated at the right hand of God the Father. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he is mighty to save to the uttermost all who call upon him. To call on the Lord Jesus Christ is to look away from yourself, to look away from religion, to look away from your church, to look away from your denomination, away from your baptism and your membership and all of your good works, and to look and behold as if seeing for the first time exclusively at the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you come to him, he will in no wise cast you out. He loves to save sinners. He's the friend of sinners. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came not for the righteous. He came for the unrighteous. He's the good physician. He came not for the well, for the sick. Are you flawed? Yes. If you're incapacitated by your flaws, Jesus is calling you today. Are you afflicted? I'm sure. But if you're sidelined by your afflictions, Jesus is calling you today. He is speaking into the tomb that is holding you bondage and saying, come forth in faith. I want to make something beautiful 
out of your brokenness. Trust him fully. Surrender to him totally. Let's pray. Oh Lord, how beautiful is the cross. How glorious the empty tomb. How majestic the fact that you are the resurrected and living King. We love you. We confess that we look too often at our flaws. I'm not talking about a love affair with sin, God. We want to love the things that you love and hate the things that you hate. But Lord, sometimes the past comes calling and those memories play through our minds and flood us and we feel too flawed to be used. Lord, some of us feel too afflicted in our present condition to be useful. But the reality is, you love us just where we are. It's your gift of faith working in us anyway. And you don't make mistakes. You've called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Help us to be about your work, your way, so that you get all the glory. In Jesus' name. Ask the Lord to help you in these moments not to focus on your flaws or your afflictions. Not to look at the things that are seen, but to look by faith at the unseen God who's calling you to labor in the vineyards, to fish for men and women and boys and girls, that we might advance his name to our neighbors and the nations for his glory. The Lord be with you.